0: Welcome to the Story Night podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night podcast. If you listened to Kayla's story, you know that we left you hanging. We, we gave you a cliffhanger, and this is part two. If for some reason you're just tuning into this one and you haven't heard part one yet, please stop right now, go back, listen to part one, and then rejoin us for this second part. For those of you who already listened to part one, you know that we left off at a baptism where Kayla had her husband's swim trunks in her purse. And we thought that this was the turning point in the marriage. And it could have maybe just been the happily ever after the off they go to the sunset, marriage is redeemed, the end. But clearly, there's a part two and there's so much more to the story. So I'm going to stop talking and just let Kayla dive back in and pick up where we left off and share the rest of her story, at least up until present day. So thank you, Kayla for coming back and it's all yours.
1: All right. Sounds good. Okay. So yeah, we left off at the baptism. We left off with my husband getting baptized and me feeling like, you know, this, this was the moment I'd been waiting for. This was the moment where we switched from, I was the only one walking with the Lord to now we were both going to be walking with the Lord. It was going to be so great. And life, life could not be any better. Right. And I was so wrong because I still had so much of my story that needed to be healed and rewritten by the Lord so much that he had to work in my heart and i think it's so easy for us to put our focus outwardly and to say if if this person would just change or if this person would do better then i'll magically be a better person or if if they just valued me more then i would feel more valued and that was the lie that i had believed All the way up until this point, and really for probably a solid year after my husband got baptized, I was still walking in this lie that it was his responsibility to make me feel valued in our relationships. And so what had happened next was my husband really felt it was time for him to get out of the kitchen lifestyle, that this was not something that was providential for our family and so he just really started to seek counsel from a couple of the men in the church that we were attending. And he asked me if I'd pray with him about this, which caught me blindsided because the food industry and the cooking and creating, that's my husband's passion. And that's how he ministers to people. That's his ministry. And so when he had came, come to me and said that we were needing to pray about a different path, we didn't know what that looked like. And so we started praying whether it meant him going back to school. So we were just two poor kids who we didn't have that super successful career yet. And we had our one-year-old. And so going back to school was off the table because we couldn't afford it. So then he started to look into maybe joining the police force. And just through prayer and supplication, really just seeking God's wisdom, uh, he that door closed for him. And that kind of left us with the last career, which is where we ended up today, which was the military. Now, if you guys listened to my part one, you heard me tell you that my brother passed away in the war when I was 14. And so I had huge reservations about marrying somebody in the military. I actually said that I would never marry somebody who was in the military because I didn't want to have to go through that heartache again. So when my husband said, I'd really like us to pray about going to the military. It's going to afford me the opportunity to have a career change, to provide more stable for the family. I really like this is where the Lord is calling us. It took me a while to get on board with that simply because of my own fears and my past vulnerability and my past letdowns of that heartache. I remember walking into our pastor's office and just crying because how could God possibly be calling me to walk on a path that he knew brought so much pain to me? And the beautiful thing about your story is it's so interlaced with everyone around you's story. And so, if you have children, it's interlaced with theirs. And if you're married, it's interlaced with your husband's and even your family's stories interlaced with yours. And so, when my husband was going through this time of seeking the Lord, I also was simultaneously going through a time of seeking the Lord, but not for the answer of whether we should or shouldn't join, but just that my heart would have peace and that I would be in alignment with Him. At this point, we had really started taking our marriage more serious. I had stopped talking to the military boy that I had previously, and my husband had started to see that him constantly going to work and providing for our family in that manner was not the provision that me or our daughter needed most. And so there was just this difference in the way that I started to view him. I started to view him with thankfulness. Instead of giving him constant words of affirmation, I would just come before the Lord on a daily basis and thank him for my husband thank Him for who He was. And through that process, the Lord started to change my heart and help me to see more clearly the things that Mark was bringing to my life and the the purpose that God had in Mark's story healing my hurts. So we pray about it, and the Lord makes it so clear that we're to join the military so we we go on the hunt and we end up in the navy office and my husband signs all the contracts and then he ships out for boot camp the day after our daughter's first birthday so i just i have to pause here because god has given us so many blessings in the midst of obedience we've learned along the ways that it is better to be with god in the trenches than it is to be without him on the mountain peaks because his blessings abound with so much um, just providence and grace and peace when you walk with him, even if you are in such a dark place, he's so just gracious to provide. And so that's what we have learned through this military career throughout the whole process. So God provides for my husband to be able to be home for our daughter's first birthday. He's yet to miss a first birthday, which is kind of amazing if you know anything about the military. So he goes to boot camp. And during that time, it's just me and my daughter. And I go back to work and he's at boot camp. And God provides just a mentor there at boot camp who takes a kind heart towards him. And we were actually able to talk over 90% of boot camp, which is just unreal. God is God is just so good to know that I need my husband to go to work, but I also want him to be by me every second of the day. So just providing that peace for my heart. So once he finishes boot camp, he gets stationed down in Pensacola to go to school. And this is where my story really takes off. This is where the Lord really shows up and gets me serious. Like he lights that fire in me. So when we moved down to Pensacola, I went kicking and screaming. I'd never been to Pensacola before. I'd never heard of Pensacola before. And I am from Denver, which is a big city. And Pensacola is not a big city. It is a very spread out city. I didn't know anyone down there and I didn't want to leave my family and friends. I knew at some point being a military spouse would require me to move, but I just, I don't think I fully understood what I was getting into when I agreed that this was the path that the Lord was taking us on. So we moved to Pensacola and immediately God starts bringing people into our lives. And we start looking for a church as military families do, we, you know, we get into a city and you kind of go church shopping. And I know that sounds terrible, but the United States has so many churches in such a small radius that you have to find both one that's biblically sound and one that you fit the community. And believe it or not, that can take trial and error 15, 20 times. So we ended up coming to a church and I believe that When the Bible says that there's a season for everything, it's not lying, that the the Bible is truth and it's ultimate truth, and there is a season for everything. And so I never look back at where I've been and where I am now and have this distaste in my mouth about it because I know that there's a purpose in all my seasons. So we end up going to a church down in Pensacola, and while we're there, we get plugged in. We just jump in. Both my husband and I are very social, so it was very easy for us And during this time, we still have a lot of turmoil in our marriage, a lot of sins and hurts that we're still working through in our life. I'm still working through how to be an affirming wife. I'm still working through where does my value come from? Because at this point, I I haven't reached that point yet. And my husband is still working through the sins of his past and his childhood that he's brought into adulthood with him. And the two are just colliding in very negative ways. And so as we're going to church, we're learning about the Lord. And although I've had this head knowledge since I was 12, because I'd been going to church, there's something so real and so different when the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you than when you're just going through the motions because you believe you're a Christian and that's what a Christian should do. And so I was really starting to work out my salvation with the Lord. I was really starting to wrestle with verses like being a submissive wife. What did that look like? What did that mean? Did that did that really mean that I was never allowed to have a say in any argument or any discussion or thing that we were trying to do? You know, what did it mean for me to walk in love? Like, what did that look like in my life? How did that reflect for me who had been shown such a shallow version of love so, so much of her life? And it was so good because the church that we had originally attended, there was a couple there. And to this day they're more family than their friends. And they're the same age as my husband and I. And at the time they didn't have any kids. And we had Riley and we had just gotten pregnant with Mariah, who's my second born. So we connected with them and just this deep relationship and mentorship started to happen. They'd both been strongly walking with the Lord for several years and their marriage, although not perfect, was very centered on the Lord. And so just what they had poured into our marriage and just the wisdom that they gave us, it was life-breathing to our marriage. It was really what the Lord knew we were going to need to go to such a place as Pensacola. So once we made friends with these people and they were pouring into us, we had our second daughter, things things were starting to go smoothly. We were getting mentored. We were, again, attending church, being a part of the church body. And there's something to be said about serving with your spouse to build your bond in that relationship. And everything seemed to be going really, really well. I mean, our marriage, our communication was on point. We were just truly had so much joy in our hearts for each other. But we started to have this discontentment in our spirit with the church that we were attending. We just felt like we needed something deeper. We needed a deeper word. We needed it was just something we it's, it's still hard to this day to put words on what it was, but the Lord just started to make our spirits very discontent with where we were. And so now our marriage is good or on the outside, it appears to be good. And the discontentment in our heart with our church starts to happen. So we start praying, you know, Lord, where would you have us go? And he's, he's not giving us any indication of leaving or staying. And so we're just staying put until he clearly tells us to go somewhere else. So I had started to go to some mom's groups around town. And for whatever reason, one day I was just like, you know what, there's a mom's group meeting today. It's 50 minutes away, but like, what the heck, why not? And so I just loaded my daughter up in the car and I went to this mom's group that was an hour away. And while I was there, I got introduced to a lady and she had just finished her last round of chemo treatment. And we had got paired up together at this mom's group. We sat together and then we got paired up together to pray with each other. And I just remember praying with her and just feeling this genuine connection to her and just feeling this peace with her. Like I could share things that maybe I wasn't comfortable sharing with anyone else, maybe just vulnerability in my heart. And I just remember leaving that moment and just praising the Lord for His goodness and providing that for me because I that day I really found out that I was going to need that. So uh, I, I come home from that mom's group and come to find out my husband was still invested in this sin. And it came out and just... I, I could not take it anymore. I could not take this feeling of constantly being betrayed and constantly feeling zero value in my marriage. I thought we were doing so well. I thought that he had put that behind him, and just crying out to the Lord, like I don't want to stay here. I don't want to continue to be devalued. I I want to feel valued, and I think feeling valued means leaving this because I'm obviously not valued here. And so much of this was just immaturity and. The thought process of me, I was being inward focused instead of upward focused. And I was telling the Lord that I was uncomfortable and surely He didn't want me to stay in such an uncomfortable position where I was constantly having to come to Him. So throughout this journey, throughout this walk over the next couple of months, we continued to go to this church and now there was discontentment again in our marriage and discontentment still with the church that we were going to. And then one day we were just sitting in service and I just, I couldn't sit anymore. And so we just stood up and we left and the Lord, he just said, okay, well, let's, let's go somewhere else. So as God does, he speaks to you and he provides right away. Like when you sit and wait for Him, He is so good to provide for you if you're just patient and you wait on Him. And I truly believe that we stayed at this church so long because the Lord knew that this friendship that we had started needed to grow and needed to just kind of seep together and that they were going to be such a big part of our story in our marriage. So the next Sunday, we ended up going to this other church that we'd never heard of. It was just a random church that we'd found in a Google search. It was the first one that popped up. And I said, well, the sermon sounds great. So let's go and see what it's about. And I walk in the door and the first person I see is this lady who I'd prayed with at this mom's group that was now over an hour and 15 minutes away from this church. And I just immediately felt just contentment. Like this was, this was where we were supposed to be. And we sat through the service and my husband he was just so overtaken by the spirit and just the message that was preached that morning. It was exactly what he needed to hear as well. And so we ended up attending this church now for the rest of the time that we were in Pensacola. We had a girl's trip to Colorado. And while I was on this girl's trip, God showed up in a very big way. It was me, my girlfriend, and two of her other girlfriends. We'd gone for her birthday. And this was the point where the Lord Really shook me to my core, where he kind of turned me upside down and he emptied me of myself. We went on this girls' trip. It was supposed to just be this really relaxing birthday getaway. And while we were there, we're, we're all believers, we're all Christians, we all love the Lord and his word. And we're just praying with each other and we're just speaking God's blessings and God's word over each other while we're there. We're having a great time. And it's just, it feels almost more like a retreat than a birthday getaway. And as I'm sleeping one night, I'm woken up out of dead sleep, like immediately, you need to call your husband now. So I pick up my phone and I call my husband and lo and behold, he had stumbled again. But this time, instead of hiding it from me, he confessed it to me over the phone and I was coming home the next day. And I just was so broken again. And the girls that I was on this trip with, they prayed over me and then we parted ways and I came back to the house. And we go into our bedroom and I say, I'm done. If you do this again, I'm leaving you. I'm taking the kids and I'm leaving. And I immediately just felt that strong conviction that I'd felt in the first part of my story when I was being unfaithful to my fiance. I felt that conviction again immediately when those words left my mouth. But this time I wasn't being unfaithful to my husband. This time I was being unfaithful to my God. And I didn't understand the conviction right away. I just knew that there was conviction. And I just remember telling my husband that I needed space. I just needed a second because I needed to meet with the Lord. And through this process of meeting with the Lord, it wasn't very long. It was very, it was a very quick correction. And he just told me, I created you. I formed you in your mother's womb. I put intrinsic value in you the day that I chose to create you. You are not happenstance. You did not just come together in the universe. There was a purpose in my creating of you. And therefore, your value lies in the fact that I created you. It does not lie in your husband. It does not lie in your friendships or any relationship that you're going to come across for the rest of your life. It comes because of me. And I had heard him speak this to me before, just that my value comes from the Lord and not other people, but it had come in the form of my joy comes from the Lord. My happiness comes from the Lord. My contentment comes from the Lord. But this time he so clearly spoke to my heart that my value came from him, that nothing I did and nothing anybody else did would ever give myself and my spirit and my soul as much value as Christ did when he chose to shed his blood on the cross for me. And then after that, he spoke and he said, and because your value comes from me, you do as I say. And in Colossians, it's a book in the Bible in the New Testament. There's a couple of verses in the second chapter and it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you'll, you will overflow with thankfulness. And in that moment of reading that verse, I realized that it was so simple. I had been making this so complicated my entire life, but the simplicity of Jesus, that was all that I needed. That was all the value that I needed, that Christ was enough. And Whether my husband continued to stumble through the sin that was so ingrained in his life because of his childhood, or whether my friends never valued me as the most important friend, but only as the second best or when other people aren't available friend, or whether my siblings didn't value me or the guy at the grocery store didn't value me. It didn't matter anymore because Christ was enough. And that was such a freeing moment in my life. That was the moment where I knew that no matter what I walked through, because my value laid in Christ, I would be able to get through it, and I would come out the other side with a testimony of God's goodness instead of my failures. And the first part of my story was so much a testimony of my failures and God's grace covering my failures and Him being faithful to me when I was faithless to Him and Him continuing to pursue me when I was pushing Him away. And the second part of my story after this moment was my testimony of God's design for my life, of his purpose for my life, that everything at this point and up to this point had value for him and everything after this point would have value for him, which was really good because I was about to walk through one of the most traumatic instances that I I could have ever imagined. I actually could not have even imagined that this was going to happen. So I go back into our room and I tell my husband, I'm so sorry for the things that I said. The truth of the matter is, is that I'm here because the Lord calls me to be here. And I made a covenant, not only with you, but I made a covenant with God to be your wife and I will be your wife. And I am a sinner in need of the savior and you are a sinner in need of a savior. And my sin is no less worthy of forgiveness than yours is. And I just apologized to him and asked him for forgiveness. And then from that point forward, we worked really hard to just be honest with each other, to communicate before things got out of hand, and to have immediate forgiveness when they did. So I have my second born, and now I'm pregnant with our third child, Chloe, and the church is amazing. Both of us are plugged in now. We're getting intense discipleship. We're in small groups. We're making relationship couple relationships together, which was a new thing for us before it was Hey, these are my friends, and these are their husbands. So I hope you like them because they're my friends, and I'm not giving them up. Or him saying, "These are my friends; they don't have any wives." So I just hope you like them because that's all you're getting. And so at this time in our life, um, moved down in Pensacola, away from both of our families and both of our friends groups, we started to make these couple friendships together, and it was—it's so beautiful when you and your spouse can make deep intimate connections with other spouses. It's just, it's so beautiful. So we were both getting our walk with the Lord straightened. We were both getting disciplined in our practices. We were both going to Bible studies. We were both getting discipleship and pouring out and serving the Lord. So we have this beautiful God-focused relationship where we're no longer looking outward. We're looking upward. And we have our third child and it was such a beautiful time of life i go away for the weekend chloe had to be about 4 months old and i go away for the weekend to a women's retreat and a week prior to that we'd gotten rear ended a person wasn't paying attention and they had blown through some traffic and rear ended a car behind us who was forced into us and it launched our van forward all three of my children were in the car luckily none of them were hurt and at the, at the time, I just remember feeling adrenaline in my body. And then as the week went on, I started to get a little bit more sore and, you know, whatever. So I, I was just very much looking forward to this weekend away with women where I got to sit and relax and rest and not chase any children around. So I go to this retreat. And on the last day, I'm like, man, my back is really bothering me. And I'm trying to help them clean up. And they're like, Kaylee, you just need to go home. Like, you need to go lay down. Please don't stay another second and help. And I'm like, all right. So I say goodbye. I go home, come home. My husband had just taken the kids to a fun outing with dad, a daddy-daughter date. And they had just come home. And he sat down on the couch. And I sat down next to him. And three minutes later, mid-conversation, I just said, Mark, I can't feel my legs and he thought I was joking because I had just come from the retreat and he was like, well, you know, were you working She's like, ha that's, that's crazy. I hate when I can't feel my legs either. And I was like, no, like I literally cannot feel my legs. I cannot move my legs. I can't feel my legs. And he went into straight protector mode, picked me up on his back fireman style takes me to the car, puts me in the car, calls some of our friends to come and stay with our kids and rushes me to the emergency room. The next 24 hours were the most uncertain and shakable moments of our marriage. I could not feel my legs and he didn't know what was wrong. I was passing out. I was coming to, and then passing out again. I was incoherent. I, I, it was, it was very frightening. I I remember my girlfriend coming to the hospital to be with me. I don't know if it's because my husband had to take care of our kids, but I just remember opening my eyes and seeing her sitting there, her praying over me. And then I was admitted to the hospital because after a spinal tap and lots of workup, they could not figure out why I was paralyzed from basically the belly button down. My insides stopped working. I had to be cast. My intestines weren't working. And so out of nowhere from this rear end car accident, I I lose complete use of my bottom part of my body. Now I was in the ICU for seven days. And I just remember the whole time being in the ICU and just resting in the Lord, just resting in there's purpose in this because he had so clearly just spoken to me maybe a month before this, that everything in my life had purpose and nothing in my life was void of purpose. And so I just sat there and I just reveled in him and just thanked him that he saw me as worthy enough to be used by him, that whatever the story, whatever the testimony that was going to come from this, I was just grateful to him for it. And throughout this time in the ICU, The church family, really, they came around me. Um, My girlfriend and her husband from Colorado, they had actually flown down to Florida that weekend to come and see my husband and I and our kids because we had just had our third child. So they were coming to see her. And they stepped up and they were at the house watching the kids, (laughs) bless their heart. And I just, we were so taken care of. God knew that in that moment of our lives. We needed to be in Pensacola and we needed to be at the church family that we were at and we needed to be surrounded by the people that we were surrounded by because he orchestrates all things for his glory and he orchestrates all things for the good of those who love him. And so after seven days in the ICU, I start gaining feeling back in my legs. They had pumped me so full of dopamine, which could also be why I was just resting in the Lord because I was literally the happiest person on the ICU floor. I think I was the only conscious person also on the ICU floor, but I was the happiest for sure, because I was just pumped full of so much dopamine. And this is where you realize that not all good things in the moment are good for the long haul. So this is coming up on the third time. There's, remember I told you in the first story, there's four times that I remember being depressed in my life. And this is the third time. This is circumstantial. Before it was because of me pulling away from the Lord because me not walking with him and he putting that spirit of depression on me to draw me back to him. And this third time is now circumstantial. So I'd been pumped full of dopamine for seven days because dopamine as a drug actually reduces inflammation, which is what they thought was going on around my spinal contusion was it was inflamed and causing pressure. And my, my body was shutting down to secure my spinal cord. My, my legs come back. I have a bowel movement, which is the only thing the hospital wants you to do before you can leave is be able to produce waste. And they sent me on my way home. I was physically I was so weak. I just remember my blood pressure was kind of all over the place. I had a hard time breathing. I had a hard time staying awake and having energy. And I was still just so sore. And my legs were very weak still at this point. But they released me to go home. And I thought everything was fine because I still had all that dopamine running through me. And it was not so because in five days, as soon as that dopamine cleared my system, I hit rock bottom. My body had not been producing its own dopamine for seven days. And it had kind of shut down that system because it recognized that there was too much inside my body. And I was not producing dopamine at all. So I went from the super secure in the Lord, happy-go-lucky person, everything has a purpose, to just crying all the time. I mean, I would cry in the shower. I would cry getting dressed. I'd cry getting my kids breakfast. And there was no reason for it. Nothing was triggering me to cry. It was just my body was so in shock, and I had just absorbed so much. I'd just gone through this trauma of not knowing if I'd ever be able to walk again This trauma of really needing to rely on people to be taken care of, which is so hard for somebody because it's kind of a form of pride when you constantly are telling people, no, you're good, you have it. And then to be stripped of that freedom, to really be stripped of the ability to reject help and it has to be, or else nothing will get done. I had children who needed to be watched and a husband who needed to be with me. So God really worked on my pride through those moments of, you cannot do it. Let me provide help for you. And I'm so grateful for that moment in my life because now as a military spouse, I am able to accept help in a very genuine and very non-reluctant way because of those moments of me being paralyzed and those moments of me recovering from paralysis. So during this time, again. God's blessing of us being in the military is really shining through. God knew exactly what he was doing when he laid it on my husband's heart to join the military, the command that he was at, which is the work that he was at they told him to take as much time as he needed. They weren't going to penalize him for it at all. They weren't going to take leave dates from him, which is his vacation time, that his job was to be at home to take care of his family. And again, if you know anything about the military, the idea of the military is that military personnel is always on. But what we have found to be so true is that the military actually provides the time for the military person to take care of their family in such a time of need. So for six months, my husband got to be at home with us and he would just tell them he was alive every day. And then he would take care of me and he'd take care of our three children. And for somebody who goes from working nonstop to coming home and becoming a a house dad and a house husband, it was very difficult for him because so much of his value came from his career. So as he started to get back into work after those six months, he was just coming home, beaten down and worn down. And it was starting to kind of affect the the house. It was kind of affecting the way that we were communicating the the feel of the house, just the spirit of the house. And come to find out that because he had to step out of so many roles of leadership that he was in before my accident they had replaced him in those roles with other people because they weren't sure when he was coming back and honestly how long he would be back for. So they, what they were doing was trying to give him freedom, but to him it felt like kind of a consequence or a punishment for him being gone. And so he was really working through that. And because of that, and me still being in that phase of life of just desperation every day, clinging to the Lord, reading his truth over my life because I didn't have that joy. I didn't have that feeling of joy inside of me. So all I could do was hope that the Lord would restore that to me. So I just continued to press into the Lord every day for hope, but I I didn't have it overflowing. And so He was off-kiltered and I was off-kiltered. And I just remember that period of my story just being very much the Lord shutting my mouth and keeping me from speaking because He knew that it was not, the the truth was not what our reality looked like. Our reality that we were living was kind of a lie. It was what it seemed. And the truth was not there. And so he kept my mouth from speaking. So we go through that. We heal from that. I'm back to walking. I'm doing well. We're in Pensacola still. Everything's kind of starting to get back to normal. Mark is starting to level out, not because he was getting more positions at work, but because he's starting to find his value in the Lord also. This that was kind of his shaking up and his story was the Lord stripping him of all those things at work. And so he would find value in the Lord. And now we get orders to move to California. California orders were not what we were looking for. This is the, this is the time of the story where I am very discontent. Moving to Pensacola, I was discontent because it was my first move. Moving to California, I am very discontent. I don't want to move to California. I have no desire to move to California. Just the way that we personally choose to live our lives, it did not line up with what California was going to offer us. Now, the beautiful thing about California was Mark's family is there. And so we knew that this was going to be an opportunity for the grandkids to get closer to his parents, for the cousins to get close, for his siblings to get to know our kids, and really for us to kind of reconnect with his family, because up to this point, there was relationship, but there was not strong relationship because we'd never really been around. Well, I'd never really been around them. So we moved to California and Mark checks into his command. And we go into base housing and it it was just terrible. 10 out of 10 do not recommend military housing. There was just so much discord inside of the housing units and there was it was loud and there was fighting and cussing and just inappropriate behavior all around us. And the walls were paper thin and our children were getting scared. And so Mark, again, sacrifices, first he sacrifices his culinary career to provide for the family. And then he sacrifices his accolades at work to take care of his family. And now he's going to sacrifice his time and his sleep to provide for the family. So we decide to move an hour and a half north of his base. And it's to this really cute town. It's called Menifee and we're close to his family now. It You know, we're, we're excited because we got to be close to his family, but we're dreading just the state of California. And the Lord really starts working on my heart again of where does your contentment come from? Have I called you to go here? Is there purpose and what I call you to do? And so again, I'm just reliving these truths inside my mind of, Sometimes you just have to say things over and over and over and not, it's not a fake it till you make it. It's just a say it till you believe it because the Lord gives us these truths and they're not always easy to swallow. And sometimes, especially when we're looking inward, we don't understand the truths that he's giving us. So we really have to change our perspective and look upwards. So we got pregnant with our fourth child. We move an hour and a half away from his base and life is what it is. He is going into work Monday through Friday. He's commuting three to three and a half hours every day, coming home, just the shell of himself because that drive just, it drains him. And we have three small children. I'm pregnant and life is just giving us plenty of things to be tense with each other about. I'm wanting more from him at home. I'm, I'm starting to get back in that routine of expecting him to give me things, expecting him to fill things inside of me. And he's getting in the routine of expecting me to be understanding of what he has to do during the day. And we just start doing that thing where we're one upping each other, where he's, I go to work all day and I'm, well, I don't get to leave work all day. And he says, you know, I have to drive this far. And I say, I I don't get a And so we're just doing that marital thing where we try to make our hard more hard than our spouses to make ourselves feel better or for affirmation or whatever, why ever we do it. I don't know. If somebody has the answer, please drop it in the comments. And we just are kind of getting back into this like strife with each other. We don't have a home church yet. We don't have fellowship. We have no friends out in California. His parents are still working. And So we're just kind of like floating out in no man's land right now. And we're trying to figure it out and it's expensive in California. So we have the cost of living is bogging us down as well. So at this point we've had our fourth child and it's our first son. So we now have three daughters and a son. And my mom moves in with us just because of some things in her life going on. And this was the time that the Lord really blessed me to be able to Bring some burdens off of my shoulders. We had decided to homeschool our oldest daughter. So I was homeschooling while pregnant and having two toddlers. And I'm homeschooling while having three under the age of four. And my mom moves in and she just lifts some of those burdens off. She lifts those burdens off of Mark. And it was, it was really just a sweet moment of time of the Lord, just again, providing for for us in the midst of what he'd called us to do again, that being with God in the trenches, instead of being alone on the mountaintops, we were definitely in the trenches in that season of life. And Mark was connected to a ship. So he was gone probably two thirds of the time that we were in California. And I want to kind of take a step back as like a, a backwards vocal. Before my accident, Mark had decided that he was going to go for a big promotion in the Navy. He was going to apply to go from the enlisted side to the officer side of the Navy. And that just required a lot of things coming together. He had to put together what's called a package. And it's just a lot of paperwork and a lot of recommendations from people. And so he was doing that. And then when I got into my accident, That really just, God closed the door on that because he couldn't leave me. The Navy would not accept him into this officer training because he couldn't abandon his family in the time of need that we were in. So when we went to California, I was doing good health-wise. Our family was doing good. We were at a place where he could go for this promotion again. So he gets his package together. He puts it in. Again, he's gone for the majority of the time. So he's doing all this while he's away from me. I'm holding down the fort. And then the pandemic hits. And I can 100% say with certainty that the pandemic rocked all of our worlds in a way that we did not see coming. So I'm now not only at home with all four of my children by myself a lot of the times, but now I'm. Literally stuck at home because we live in California, which was one of the strictest states for mandations and lockdown um, regulations. So we can't go to the park anymore. We can't go out to eat. We can't, you know, go here or go there. So I, I don't have these outlets anymore. And even church, it was online, and so. I'm trying to listen to these sermons while all four kids are constantly coming to talk to me. And you might say, well, why didn't you just watch church at night? Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but motherhood actually never stops. And so there's never actually an appropriate time to just sit down and spend two hours with the Lord apart from the blessing of children's ministry at church on Sunday. So I was starting to get spiritually dry because I was no longer having that fellowship I'm starting to have those feelings of resentment start to bubble up again towards my husband and not because of anything he's doing. And at this point in my walk with the Lord, God has made it so clear to me that when these feelings come up, it's not because of anything that anyone else is doing. It's because of the flesh and the sin inside of me and this discomfort that I'm starting to feel. So I'm recognizing this now, and I'm to the point where I know to go and just run to Jesus because it's so simple. Remember, it's just Jesus. Just give it to Jesus and walk with Him and allow your roots to grow deep in Him. And you do that by just constantly, constantly handing things over to Him, praying, being thankful, things like that. So I start doing this, and I'm just praying, Lord, please just get me through this four-year stay in California. Lord, please just Just heal whatever is going. Please just heal this pandemic. Let us get back to normal, Lord. I just need normal. I need to be able to be around people again. I need a break from my children. No relationship is meant to be lived 24 7, 365. It is not healthy. That's why this last year was so hard for so many. And so he's out on the ship, and I get a call, and he said, Babe, they accepted my OCS package. And I said, that's fantastic. What does that mean? And he said, you know, now I got to go to boards. And I said, Oh, okay. So one more thing. And in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, well, it takes the package about a year. So this is boards is probably going to be about the same time. Like we're looking at the end of this California tour before you will know if you get accepted for this chance to promote to officer. Not so no within two months, he had gone to boards, he got accepted, and they notified him that he'd be leaving for officer training school in December of 2020, all of a sudden our life is getting flipped upside down again because we had just moved to California to San Diego. And then we had moved from San Diego up to Menifee to be close to his family. The kids were starting to build relationships with their cousins and their grandparents. And I'm starting to build relationships with my in-laws and my sister and brother-in-laws and even the cousins out there for me, like there's just this family unit that's starting to be built. So my mom's circumstances and her life change now and she's moving out and Mark is going to OCS. So we're selling our house in California and we're looking at what his schedule looks like and it looks like we're going to be going back down to Pensacola. So the blessing of this is that this whole time that we were in Pensacola, we had made such deep connections that it really felt like home. There's the home you grow up in and then there's the home that the Lord Matures you in. And Pensacola was definitely that place for Mark and I to mature as a couple in that place in my story where I really realized who God was in my life and what it meant to serve him as Lord. And so we've been praying, Lord, we just want to go back to Pensacola. I took a birthday trip back there while Mark was gone. And I just, every time I leave, my heart just breaks a little bit more. And so we're looking at his schedule and it's like, oh my gosh, you're going to be in Pensacola after training for you know, six to seven months. Basically, Florida is an open state and California is still locked down. When you go to OCS, we're just going to pack up the family and move ourselves back to Florida while you go through this training. God's wisdom again is just so good. I have come to the point now in my marriage where if my husband says no, the answer is no. And if I pray about something and the Lord is leading me and, you know, giving me a yes, And my husband says, no, I patiently wait for the Lord to change his heart. I knew it was going to cost us a lot of -of out-of-pocket money to move our family from California to Florida on our own accord. And my husband is very money conscious because he just has wisdom when it comes to it. So I just prayed, Lord, please provide a way for Mark to see that Pensacola would be such a good and healthy environment for me and the kids to be in while he's away during this pandemic. So I'm praying this and I'm just sweating and I'm asking the Lord and I just come to my husband and I say, Hey babe, what do you think about me and the kids making a cross country road trip, AKA move back to Pensacola and us selling our house in California and buying one in Pensacola since you're going to be there for training. And without any hesitation, he says, no, I think that would be a great idea. Like, let's look into it. And I was shocked, literally like one of those moments where you want to like leave the room so you don't show them that you're shocked because you don't want them to change their mind. So we ended up scheduling it out. We sell our house. There's a huge blessing. And the Lord provides through the selling of our house, the finances to make the move across the country and to purchase the home in Florida. So we purchased the home in Florida and everything seems to be going great. I'm so happy to be back home. I have my best friends back around me. My kids have their best friends back around me. And we're back in a Southern state with conservative values, which is where we tend to fall in our value system. And so I'm confident that I'm going to put my child back in public school. So there's another burden lifted off of me. Now, the hard part about that in my story is I tend to take things personal. So sometimes when the Lord calls me to something, again, everything is for a season. Sometimes, though, those seasons get cut short in my mind, and it's because I've done something wrong. So when we moved back to Florida, I still had every intention of homeschooling my oldest. And through just circumstance of being basically a single mom for all intents and purposes, not being able to communicate with my husband this time because OCS was very different than boot camp, and just feeling alone. I had my best friends around me. I had the church family around me, but the reality is, is that when they leave, you're alone again and, and you can be surrounded by people. And I'm sure some of the listeners can relate to this, You can be surrounded by people who love you, people who care for you and still feel so alone because you don't have that person there who's your equal. So my husband was gone and I didn't have him there to fall back on in parenting. I didn't have him to fall back on in bouncing around ideas about what we were going to do with the kids. I didn't have him to fall back on when I had a hard day and just be able to vent to him without feeling any kind of pressure to keep anything in or not look a pure certain way to the situation. And so I just started feeling very lonely. And the Lord just really laid it on my heart that it was time for Riley to go back to public school. And I just remember telling him, I'm not putting her back in school unless this certain teacher at this certain school district was where we would be ending up. And he totally provided. I looked at the school, the school that we were sectioned for at the house that we purchased. And it was the school that this teacher was at. And I had contacted her and asked her if she possibly had any room in her class because the pandemic had done wild things to schools. Right. And she said, you know, it's so crazy. I actually just had two kids leave my class. So I now have a spot open. I'll talk to my principal. If she gives me the, okay, then we'll just get her in my class next week. So within 48 hours, the Lord had shown me again, that there was purpose in his doing that when we just walk with him, when we just trust him and we go where he calls us to go, he's already gone before us and set away before us to bring blessings and to bring us through these times. He knew that I was going to need those friendships. He knew that my daughter was going to need this teacher in her life. And during this time in Pensacola, this is the fourth and final time up to this point of my story where I felt that spirit of depression. And this was somewhat situational. And this was somewhat, again, just the sins in my heart and the Lord calling me to himself and me just kind of rejecting that again, because as humans, we're never perfect. Our walk with the Lord is never going to be perfect on this end of eternity. And so there's backsliding that happens and there's you know the verse where it says to walk and work out your salvation. Like that's a continuous thing. Like work is something you do on a daily basis. And so I was starting to pull away from my word. I was starting to pull away from praying. I was hanging out with my girlfriends, but we weren't it wasn't in a Bible study setting. There was godly people in my life, but the focus in those moments was not the Lord himself. So I really just fall into this deep spirit of depression. And then I feel like such a failure as a mom. Now my story is value, right? And now my value started to really suffer in my identity as mom, as a mother. And this was new for me because up to this point, I'd been very secure in motherhood, just very much the Lord has given me the children that I need. And he's given my children, the mother that they need but I started to feel like a failure because I had to put my daughter back in public school because I was no longer able to sustain and wear all the hats and keep my head above water. So the lies start to creep in. You're unworthy. You have no value in motherhood. Your children would be better off with somebody else. You're selfish. You're lazy. You are disconcerted. Just all these things are starting to be spoken to me on a regular basis by no one besides myself. But I start to believe these lies, and I really start to let them sink in and take root in my heart. And as these lies are starting to take root, I'm starting to get deeper and deeper into this depression. And the Lord really just came alongside of me, and He didn't correct me, and He didn't withhold these lies from being there, but He comforted me, which was also a new experience that I had with the Lord. Because This season was very temporary. And I remember walking into the doctor's office and the doctor saying, we did the blood panel. Your thyroid is great. All of your blood, you're like a unicorn. You have the perfect numbers on all of your blood. If I didn't know you, if I didn't see you, I would say that you're the healthiest person that's ever walked into this office, but you scored severely depressed on the chart. And so we want to get you on medication immediately. And instantly, I just knew in my spirit that the answer was no, that this was not this was not the path that the Lord had for me to walk on. And medication isn't of itself. It's a whole nother testimony and long story. But for me in this moment, that was not what the Lord was calling me to do. He was very clearly speaking to me. There is no sign of struggle or wanting to end my life or harm my children around me that this season was so temporary and he had something to show me and that I needed to be patient and just to lean into him. And so I told the doctor no, and I just went back home. I started going to the gym. I started praying and I wasn't getting into my word. This this whole idea of Christian behavior and Christian disciplines that we burden ourselves with sometimes can be so legalistic. We think that if we're not spending so much time in our word with the Lord, then we're not doing it right. If we're not praying a certain amount of time, we're not doing it right. And we're a terrible Christian. And that was the value that I had placed on my Christian walk, because remember my Christian walk up to, um, from the time I was 12 to the time that I experienced salvation was so works-based. It was so, this is what Christians do. So this is what I must do. And that carried over into my salvation. And I struggled with that idea of performing the way that a Christian on the outside is supposed to perform. And God really just took this time, this five months that my husband was gone, to free me of that lie that I was supposed to be performing a certain way to please him and just constantly reminding me in a very gentle and very fatherlike way that, again, my value came from him and that I could do nothing to build him up, and therefore I could do nothing to let him down, that when he looked at me, he saw Jesus, and that's all he needed to see. And so during this time that we were in Pensacola, this last time, it was very different than the time before. And as a spouse of a military service member, this was such a critical and crucial time that the Lord was speaking to me because... This will not be the last time that my husband has to leave me and I'm alone with my children. This will not be the last time that I have struggles in motherhood. This will not be the last time that I feel just darkness and despair. And the Lord had a valuable lesson to teach me that pushing into him, that's how I was going to get through these things. So we don't live in the past. We walk in the redemption of Christ. And that's, Kind of the overall theme of my story is that before my value was in everything around me and everyone around me and through redemption, through God pulling me out of that valley of dry bones, breathing life into me, putting his flesh on me, he really showed me redemption. And it's so much better now. What he showed me is Redemption is so much better than perfection, and there's nothing I could do that would please Him in a perfect works-based world. But the truth of the matter is, is that Christ is enough, and it's just through growing in Him, being rooted in Him, seeing the truths that He teaches, and just flowing with Christ where He leads and where He goes, that's what the redemption is that God brought to my life. So that's my story, and that's how we got from being valued in all the wrong places to finding a concrete value in the Lord that is unshakable and unmovable.
0: Kayla, I cannot thank you enough for peeling back all of the layers and being so open and so vulnerable. You didn't really hold anything back, and... I'm so grateful for that. I think God writes our story. And like you said, he has a purpose in everything. One of the things that is so special, I think, as I listen to your story is that there's not that point where you reach, and now all of my circumstances are perfect. <laughs> right. Because sometimes we, we, I don't know, we have that maybe, maybe because the media, you know, or movies kind of condition us that way to think, the story is supposed to be bad circumstances a solution good circumstances and and that's not <laughs> that's not the way god's writing the story it's not about the circumstances it's it's about him and our right. relationship with him and that's what i keep hearing from you it's not that we're hearing that now motherhood is perfect or now marriage is perfect or now career is perfect we don't that's not the point. I think it's very refreshing and very real. And for all of the listeners out there who are still in the struggle, because I mean, let's face it, if we're alive and breathing, we're still in a struggle, even if we're in maybe kind of a quiet season. uh, Sometimes obviously the struggle is more intense than others, but but it's always there. We're in a fallen, broken world, and there's not going to be perfection.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Listeners, I want to kind of before before we ask Kayla to sort of close in prayer here I wanted to just leave you with an image because one of the most important words that she has talked about is the word value and I know that so many of you listening have struggled with feeling valued and struggled with where to find your value I remember an illustration about a 100 dollar bill if a $100 bill is crumpled up, it's still valued at $100. If a $100 bill is stepped on or dirtied, it's still worth $100. If it was earned in a negative way, if it was earned in a dishonest way, the value is still $100. And the point is that your life, no matter what your past, no matter what your background, no matter what you have done or what has been done to you, God. Gives you the value. He's the one that prints the money. He's the one that prints you. And that value is what he says it is, not what any other circumstance says your value is. Your value is what God says your value is. And with that, Kayla, I would like to ask you to close in prayer and just speak that value over the women listening.
1: Yes, absolutely. I'd love to. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for being the God of truth. We thank you for being the God who sees. We thank you for being our banner, for being our provider, for being our protector. God, we thank you for all the hats that you carry in our lives, Lord. And I thank you, Father, that you created us in our mother's wombs, Lord, that you saw value in us. Before time began, Lord, you knew that we were going to be yours. You knew that we were going to be valued and created, Father. And Lord, I know this world is so full of turmoil and it's so full of lies and deceit, Father, and that comes just from living in a broken society and a broken world. And God, I just pray for each of these listeners who is here this evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever it is that they're listening to this message, Father. You've made this podcast for such a time as this, Father, for each of their lives. You've made this time in my story the moment to share for such a time as this. God, I pray that even one Lord would just believe on your name, that they would believe that their value comes in you. And that it's so simple that Jesus is enough and there's nothing that they could do to make themselves more valuable to you. And there's nothing they can do to make them less valuable to you, Lord, if they're standing under the covering of your son, Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray for these women, Lord. And as the scriptures talk about you being the potter and us being the clay. I pray for these situations in these women's lives where they're having different pressure points put on them, Lord, as you are molding them into the vessel that you need them to be to do the kingdom work. And I pray as you're pouring the water over them and just chipping away segments and you're chipping away just the areas that don't need to be there as you're forming them, Father, that you would secure and seal them in you, Lord, that you would give them the courage to hope in you, Lord, that you would give them the satisfaction to rest in you, Father. And God, I pray that their value would be made so perfectly clear to them that it is only because of you that we hold any sort of value, Father. Lord, I thank you for giving this opportunity to share your testimony of my life, Lord, what you've brought me through. I thank you, Lord, for redemption. I thank you that my story's not over and it wasn't over then and it's not over now. I thank you for these women. I thank you for Jessica and this ministry. And I just pray your hand of protection and blessing over her and her family in this ministry. And Lord, we just come to you and we lay all this down at your son's feet. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you again so much for doing this, Kayla. And, you know, I, in part one, I thanked you and thanked your husband for just the military service, but I also wanted to just please thank your husband for allowing you to share your story because it, so much of it is his story as well. And it's such a raw story and it's a story that so many other women are walking through. And I know that hearing it, is going to impact them and there were so many points in your marriage where that could have been the end and you're you're such a testimony of keeping your covenant with God and therefore keeping your covenant in in the marriage and it's it's very very inspiring so thank you and thank him thank you Emily for bringing Kayla to us we're just truly thrilled with all of the speakers that you keep sending our way. And keep them coming. Ladies, thank you so much for listening to this special two-parter. We hope you were blessed. We hope you were encouraged. And we hope you join us next time for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women.